The Evolution Channel is sponsored by Eternal Gold Beauty, the most advanced skincare line in the world. Awaken your skin to aging in reverse at eternalgoldbeauty.com today. You're listening to The Frequency of Creativity with Melinda Har Curley. Hello, welcome to The Frequency of Creativity where we explore the energetics of art. I'm your host, Melinda Har Curley, and you can find us on the Evolution Channel of the Superpower Network. To view my paintings, The Intersection of Energy and Art, please visit my website at melindaharcurley.com. Today, I am so excited to have my beloved art teacher, Jean Forsberg. Uh, welcome, Jean. Hello, Melinda. It's been a while. How are you? I am doing great. Jean, I am so excited to have you on the show because I was so fortunate to have you as my teacher and to take private lessons from you for several years. And during the time that you guided me, I feel like I made a huge leap in my work. And you were so intuitive, so nurturing, and you set a safe place for me to really take risks. And I just am so grateful and so thankful for that experience. And you not only are you an amazing artist, but, and you were able to share your gifts with me and help me to find my voice and paint. thank you for the praise, but frankly, you came as a very willing to work hard, do the hardest stuff, and willing to explore and listen, and also to share deeply with me your inner feelings and spirit and perceptions so that you gave me all the clues to being able to help you you're a very, um, a very intuitively open seeker after the higher forms of being a human being in the fullest, fullest energetic and real way. And your voice was going to be paint. And I'm a painter and you're a painter. So really the paint itself and the movement and structure and colors took both of us on the journey that we've been on and it wasn't only that we also did craniosacral work so that the energetics of the whole universe as they work with our body mind and spirit on the table led to the perception and energy that you put into those canvases time after time after time and you were willing to struggle and be 
really angry with what you've got and really upset and really excited and happy. Um, you shared so meaningfully with me that I was able to, it's like a tennis game. The ball goes back and forth and back and forth. The conversations, the feelings from which the conversations came were deep and they were profound. You brought all that. So there is where we met. And it was very exciting for, for me as well. Well, and Jean, you really set the space for that. And so, yes, that's how we first met, because you were recommended to me as a cranial sacral therapist. And I remember walking into your studio, and it was not a typical situation that I was anticipating at all. I remember walking into your studio and here is a massage table set among these powerful and size-wise huge oil paintings. And it was such a memorable experience that I feel your paintings set the space for safety and also for healing. Jean, we are going to have to take a short break right now. And Jean, before we do, can you please share with our listeners where they can find you? My website is jeanforsberg.com. Great. And then we'll have that on the show notes. And please stay with us because when we come back, we are going to dive so much more deeply into the accomplished work of my beloved art teacher, Jean Forsberg. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. We're back with the frequency of creativity where we explore the energetics of art. Today, we're talking with Jean Forsberg, and we are going to dive so deeply into how Jean naturally taps into life force energy that has led her on such an accomplished 50-year career in art. So, Jean, we were talking about you're a cranial sacral therapist, in addition to being an artist, and how in your studio, the, the, your massage table is surrounded by all of your magnificent art. And as a client, 
I felt that the art was such an important part of the session and that the art was an active participant in my healing. I, I agree with that. And it, it, my life flow, the journey for me was from childhood relating to the energetics of grass growing trees, branches pulling out, leafing, finding the source of their own vitality, finding what they needed, perceiving mentally the root system under the concrete, in my case, it was a city. And, and that was basically the kind of source. Um, it was nature, it is nature. And when I became a craniosacral therapist, it became the stories within the body of each client, the, the blocks, the passions, um, the, the, the various systems of the body and the spirit and the emotions and how perceptions would change over weeks into months into years having these sessions for that client. And as people released impediments to their ability to live fully creatively and at one with the vibrational energy that's in the whole cosmos and that feeds us every minute, every second of our life. We aren't always aware of it, but it's actually happening. Um, and this became something that the human story became woven into the story of the earth and her gifts and her, her great abundance and how we are participants in that. We are receivers of that. We get messed up and messed up in our thinking so frequently that we don't access it or we actually think we must destroy it in some way and we do so. So to come into wholeness, I believe for most artists is absolutely a passion. That's why we make art, even if we can't buy things and pay our bills, we have to make the art because we're accessing something that's primal. It's way before anything else. Um, and when you're living on that level, the, the wisdom of the chi of the universe flows through you and informs you in ways that then go into the paintings if you're an artist. So, Jean, for, for our listeners, you live in such a beautiful, natural setting. And the community that you live in, there's such a reverence for nature and for the land. So how in your beautiful setting uh, where you live, how does that help inform you, your art, and how does that help you connect to the chi and the energy that you were just talking about? Well, <laughs> when I moved here, a pond had just been dug right outside my house, basically, outside my organic garden, which was needing attention, by the way. It was full of quackgrass. But at any rate, the gardens and the pond drew me here, plus my beloved husband, Robert. And I could feel the arms of the 
mountains that rose on either side of the pond and the hollow in which we live. And it's as if they were rocking us and holding us safely in their arms. I feel that. I've painted that. I've painted from that reverence and awe and um, amazement at, at the gifts of the natural world. And as they, as they appeared before me, I also learned from knowledgeable people here about the properties of plants that want to heal us and come to us when we need them, like the burdock, which you use. Yes. And, yes, and the dandelions, which we've eaten together many times. And, you know, the qualities of plants. So you realize there's a consciousness and there's a gifting that's not usually something people are aware of, but as you become aware of it, you grow and grow in appreciation of the place you live in. And the painting started to come from an awareness of, which I have frequently, I live with it, and I don't know why, but I feel the power from within the earth lifting up and relating to other planets and the etheric realm of the air and space and I feel the influence of each and every planet on the others and of the Earth being part of that and how the placement of Earth within our solar system has created this possibility for our Mother Earth to sprout out all this living stuff. First the plants and then the creatures that rely on the plants. So this passion of environmental, ecological, deep ecology kind of poetic awareness of necessity, not because it's cute, but because I can't imagine living without it or that the planet or that humans can go on without it. So I am a teacher and I'm an ecology person and I'm an organic gardener as well as a craniosacral person and a painter. And the painting picks every everything up like that. The other thing I notice when I perceive visually is things that I very much have to honor Cezanne for and other artists, the sense of, of image mirroring, of fragmentation, of finding the larger form within the smaller form to create a page, if I'm painting or drawing, that balances all the energies and brings harmony even within razor's edge disharmony as a painting in some cases, in other cases, uh, more harmonious, but, but to throw the disharmony into it as if there were a storm, as if trouble came in your life, and then to try to bring you back to balance, to try to work those elements. So it's living and painting for me. And Melinda, you took off, you were right where I was with that, balancing life and painting together. So the intense emotional power of our interaction as teacher and student, as friends, as colleagues, the growing power was already in you. And so together we just, we just flew, we grew, we, we saw did. and we, we tried to anticipate them, right? And then say, well, what's, what's going on here or there? And I wonder if you just cover this part of the painting. And then how does that mirror things in your life if you just kind of change this or that? So the hard part is when it's in your life and not just the canvas, right? <laughs> right, right. And with you, Jean, I felt the canvas was my life. 
and there was no separation. Like I felt I was my painting and you were your painting. And it was so fully integrated that it was life for me. That was my life on the canvas at that time. And, and yes, for me too. It's, you know, I've been here about 34 years. And I would say that my whole painting career, I actually started, I've had 60 years of painting, not 50. So, you know, 60 years ago, I knew this is the, okay. So this hollow, I would hike it. I would garden it. I would find wild mushrooms, find wild plants, uh, learn from other people, and integrate into my environment. So the paintings are really a personal search for fuller and fuller participation in, in the home place where I live. Uh, and the passion also of being human which is not the easiest form of life to be, I don't think. <laughs> so, Especially now. It's really tough, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some, most of them are, like for instance, there's a painting called uh, After Clear Cut, and it had to do with a, a clear cut happening on our land right adjacent to us, but it involved hiking trails that always were usable by us. Anyhow, things like that. So this the passion of of expressing my feeling during the clear cut went into one very large painting. Um, I remember it. Very, very powerful. And Jean, whenever um, I talk about you, I say, not your grandmother's flower paintings, because you have such uh, an ability and... You touched on it earlier um, of bringing harmony and peace and such beauty in a painting. And yet there's a fierceness there. And uh, some of your very, it fierce is the best adjective I could think of when you had to face some certain situations in your life and the way uh, and tell me if I'm wrong, that you felt with it is to take that fierceness that we all need to face life at times and put it in this painting. And it touched me so deeply. And I remember us looking at this painting and you asked me, can I put this in a painting at a certain show? And we both looked at each other and said, no. It is way too strong. And the people that would be at the show, they it would be too much for them. Yes, and speaking of that, um, this is a, a story. One of my clients uh, years and years ago was in the session. And while we were on throat chakra, which is your voice speaking food to your heart and food to your perceptions, okay? This has to do with chakra work and energetics and meridians. But um, six male bluebirds, males, they were bright blue, midwinter, I don't remember January or February, but mid one, one midwinter day, they came and wanted to get into the studio. 
all six were right at the back, the, the deck door, uh, behind the, the massage table. And then some of them came to the side windows, but they were trying to break in. And bluebirds don't do that. They just don't do that. They did it for the whole time, and it must have been close to half an hour that I was on this dear lady's throat chakra. And she, meanwhile, was doing, that was her chakra where her pain resided, memories, suffering, something. Okay, uh, it led me to do a painting that I wasn't satisfied with, so I destroyed it. But it was a nice, the next painting was great, but I took it to death, purples and blacks, and a deep, dark, because I felt the woman was so frightened by the perception and strength of what came at that session, she didn't go on to open up and to do the work. So, so the painting first was very pretty, and then it was gone. It finally became a third painting, which I'm very happy with, very fierce, and it was and it became butterflies rising out of the black book of, yeah, the metamorphosis of the butterfly. I remember that painting. It's, you know, you had to look, but once you saw it and felt the energy of it, you could feel the energy of all the three paintings and my passion. Whether it communicated well or not, it did to some people. Uh, so for me, the painting and life are totally one because I was so devastated. I so much want my clients to become very important to me, just to grow, to clear all the impediments, to become whole, to become good to themselves, to others, to, be, to live creatively. And really, that matters to me. And when it doesn't happen, I get very upset. That's because <laughs> that process in painting was about, I was very upset. Well, and I can attest that it really does matter to you. And Jean, that that passion that you have and the caring and the nurturing of how you want your clients to be their best selves and to be their true authentic selves and removing any blockages that stand in that way, that's your painting. So not only do you feel that for your clients, your paintings exhibit that same exact energy. Now, Jean, I'd like to ask you too, you taught at Penn State for a while. And Jean, how, so you taught art and sustainability and brought the two together. So talk a little bit about your experiences of teaching at the college level and how you actually brought the students out to the land that you live on and your own studio. Good question because it, it, it's very interesting. I was painting and caring for my mother uh, and gardening at home, and then teaching part time at night and continuing education. And so I go into a, a studio, and it was well equipped for an art class. But I I would inspire people in different ways, like I write poems, or they write themselves through me sometimes. And I would be talking about the land and, you know, a lot of Mary Oliver kind of, oh, my goodness, yes, uh, the geese and the trees and the deer. And then they never got to be here. But I'd tell a lot of stories. And when I showed slides, they'd be of the paintings inspired by the land. I finally asked, continuing, Ed, do you think I could teach a course out at my home? I feel kind of 
selfish. I'm out with water lilies and iris and amazing stuff. And all I do is tell them stories they never get here. I wonder how it would affect a human's life to actually connect on that level with their art and nature together. And I was told, well, you can try it. If you get enough people, we'll pay you. If, if not, we'll pay you accordingly or not pay you. Uh, but we'll let you try. And it went for about 20 years, twice a year that I would give these courses. Uh, some were small, some were uh, in the 20s of people coming here, which is a little bit a little bit crowded, but we all had fun because people would paint at the pond, on the deck, in the yard. Um, it changed lives. People would write poetry about the minute they start heading down the mountain and to this side of the of, of their trip over to this hollow, they started to change right away before they even got here, how it was amazing for them. So I'm, so I'm really partly curious about what makes people happier, what makes people have a fuller life. And that started very early on with that first class that they went on until I retired, really. Jean, and we're so far into the conversation, and I wanted to ask you, um, you're a trained artist, so tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to art and your training, and how you developed into abstract art as your passion. Well, I loved that which existed. I love the sense of stone and brick. I lived in Philadelphia and ivy growing up walls and trees allowed to grow in small spaces, you know, from the concrete on the pavement or whatever. And there were parks in Philadelphia and I lived near one. So we went often to the park. But my training, I mean, I always from age five knew that if I didn't, I was going to be a farmer and an artist. That was me at age five. And so in a certain way, that's what I am. But I got a scholarship and went to what is now the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. Wonderful people teaching, wonderful students to get to know and to grow with. Um, and I, I grew with the art in school. After two years, I knew I had to quit college in order to paint with no interruptions and no more feedback from one teacher and another that I was ready to just make art. In my 40s, after the kids were partially grown, one off to college, I went back and finished that with two years left in one year. I was given a lot of credits because I'd been an artist the whole time. And then I, went, I came to Penn State to grad school, after which I assumed I'd go back to Philly uh, but then I met Robert. So the abstract happened when I was in college at the very end of my second, no, of, of, as in my 40s, and had a show with my work. And one of the teachers who was not my regular teacher said, I feel so much energy in your work that I feel you want to work larger. And another teacher while I was there said, you already know how to draw this and that and the other. So I throw it away, just try painting. So I started to throw paint at canvases to just see what would happen. So it was teachers who were allowing and perceptive who didn't say much. And then I took it 
and ran with it. Um, and the paintings got bigger and bigger. Somebody suggested, you, you like movement. I feel so much movement in your art. I said, well, I have dance. It looks like you want to dance. You need bigger canvases. So it all evolved gradually. Then when I came here, it, it was completely informed by the energetics of plants growing, of wildlife, of flow of water, of partaking fully in what is given. Jean, talk, I know you're so connected with your lily pond. Talk a little bit about your relationship with the pond and the lilies and their cycle of life and how you relate to that and how it informs not only you, but also your paintings. These lilies, which we planted, uh, we bought them and put them in the pond my first year here. And they have spread and spread and spread. Now there may be so many lilies, we have to pull some out so we can swim. But um, And the uh, water iris is everywhere around the pond gradually there's cattails and there's calamus uh it's like jabarni we actually with a teachers group that chris you and i together two years in a row we have teachers for a whole year uh for many courses together with the same people and that first year was on the fourth course we built a, a monet bridge a curved bridge over to the pond as a project with the yes people. yes and so it's it's my Javerini. I don't have to go to France. And it's actually very much like that. Uh, it's very satisfying. It's not totally like that because this is a community and uh, people swim and they boat in our in our little pond. But the artist students would go there and and paint lilies and iris and uh, just be euphoric. Euphoric. I, I hate to say it, but I've had a couple of students change their majors. Having come here, one, one lady who was an engineering major, one young lady, um, she said, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I know what I want to do. And she became an organic gardener. And she oh. worked with other gardeners. And I felt bad because here she's well-trained. So I felt a little guilty, but it wasn't me. It was the pond. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda, I mean, I mean the lilies when they're blooming, it's the lotus symbol from the spiritual traditions that say the lotus grows up, it grows from the mud, that's the earth, it comes through the water. And each of these elements is essential. You have to be grounded well in the soil. You want good grounding in your life, but you also have to have flow and you, you're seeking light. So when the ice melts on the pond, immediately you can see the dirty beginning of those powerful lily roots pushing up, pushing up for months. It takes months and they're finally putting out leaves and the leaves are muddy, but then the wind and the water blow and the leaves clear off and eventually we'll have flowers. But I take, I've taken a couple of students who felt ready, who were clients. Uh, these are adults coming for sessions. And and I've and friends out who want to walk in the muck under the lilies and notice the journey. You finally get this gorgeous flower, and the and the pollen in there smells like nothing else. It's delicious. You have to make sure there's not a bee in there. 
good, and you feel like somehow you're, there's something that happens to your whole body, and you, you do change. You, you feel whole. You feel that connection, the same as you can if you relate to a tree. So this would be. Jean, I think this is the, and I'm so sorry that it's been over a half an hour and this is a perfect place to close because everything that you just described and all the phases of the lily, that's your life. And that's all of our lives. And the life that you've led has informed the powerful magnificent, harmonious, and yet fierce paintings that I say, Jean Forsberg, not your grandmother's oil paintings. Jean, before we close, can you tell our listeners one more time where they can find you? JeanForsberg.com. Jean, thank you so much for being with us. And just talking here with you brings me back to all the um, amazing uh, conversations that were so important to me as a person and as an artist and to my growth. So I am so thankful and so grateful to you. And I'm so happy to share all of your wisdom with our listeners. So again, Jean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us us today in experiencing the accomplished career of Jean Forsberg. To view my energetic paintings, please visit my website at melindaharcurley.com. Please join us again on the Frequency of Creativity, where we explore the energetics of art. Now, be your own life force energy. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.